I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Two weeks ago, it seemed like Boris Johnson was hanging on by a thread. You have sat there too long for all the good you have done. In the name of God, go. Amid allegations of partying and rule-breaking by the very people who wrote the laws of lockdown, it seemed like it was curtains for Boris Johnson, and not just the gold ones. But MPs across the Conservative Party said they would wait for the verdict of one woman. He will take full responsibility for whatever the Sue Gray report comes out with. Wait for the results of the Sue Gray inquiry. Sue Gray. Sue Gray. Sue Gray. I want to express my deepest gratitude to Sue Gray and all the people who have contributed to this report. Will what we've seen of the report save Boris Johnson? Or is there trouble ahead for the Prime Minister? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, inside Westminster on Sue Gray Day. For weeks, we've been on tenterhooks. By Monday morning, we'd almost given up hope of hearing from the elusive Sue Gray. It's 10 o'clock. I'm Matt Shirley. This is Times Radio. Coming up in the next three hours, not one Sue Gray, not two Sue Grays, but three Sue Grays on the show. We've got a focus group of Sue Grays giving us their take on politics. Because why not, uh, frankly? There's nothing else to talk about. Uh, But then a whisper went round. This would be the day. And at 11.20am... And some breaking news. In the last few moments, the Cabinet Office has uh, released a statement saying we can confirm that Sue Gray has provided an update on her investigation to the Prime Minister. So Boris Johnson now has some sort of report from Sue Gray. I managed to catch the Times' chief political correspondent, Henry Zeffman, as he paced the corridors of power to report on what proved to be an epic day. Henry, where are you? I am in a sort of weird conservatory-like corridor. We're sort of underneath Big Ben, which has recently been unveiled after a few years of being shrouded for refurbishment. And there's I, th- lo- I think there's... I can hear them still working behind well, you. Well, I was about to say, I mean, there's <laughs> sort of scaffolding. I mean, Parliament really can't overstate the extent to which it's falling down. What's the mood like in Westminster this morning? You know, what's the mood like in the lobby amongst the journalists and 
and any MPs you've seen so far? Well, to be honest, I think, I think among journalists there was a weariness this morning. Oh, is this <laughs> going to be the day? For weeks. Exactly. I mean, we've had so many false dawns, and that has been partly because of a pretty odd intervention from the Metropolitan Police last week. I'll just read you that Met Police statement because it is worth having in full. They said this morning, for the events the Met is investigating, we asked for minimal reference to be made in the Cabinet Office report. The Met didn't... Now, of course, there's a problem with that, which is that intrinsically, those events which the Met are looking at are the ones of greatest significance and greatest interest. So at this stage, it's a little bit unclear what Supra is going to say. We don't think she's going to name names, but nevertheless... It could be a very serious moment for Boris Johnson. He will want to say that whatever it finds is cultural rather than about him, that he's not culpable, that the problems that happen, whatever extent they are unveiled uh, or not in the report, were other people's fault. But the, the really important question, actually, in Boris Johnson's common statement is not so much what he says, but how Conservative MPs react. There is some sense that in recent days they've got a little bit bored Ten days or so ago, if Sue Gray's report had dropped then and had been bad, yeah. then he really was on the precipice. Has the timing ended up helping him? Because you're right, if, the, if this report had come exactly the same time last week, the mood was mutinous. You can be a bit too clever by half here. So, look, yes, the timing has helped him. On the other hand, I think it is pretty clear that there is nothing good for the Prime Minister in being investigated by the Metropolitan Police. Well, Henry, it looks like we're in for quite a day. I'll keep checking in with you to see how it's going. It's 12 o'clock. I'm Matt Shirley. This is Times Radio. Up next, we go live to the Times newsroom to find out about all of the stories about Sue Gray that they're working on. Uh, we'll do that after we get... Well, it's just after midday, and I think we've got our first big row of the day. At the daily briefing for parliamentary journalists, Boris Johnson's official spokesman refused to commit to publishing the full version of Sue Gray's report further down the track. That feels like it's a position that might just not last through the day, but but let's see. I've been trying to get hold of Conservative MPs and ask them you know, how they're feeling, but to be honest, most of them don't want to talk about it quite understandably. It was just after lunchtime that the much-anticipated Sue Gray update was finally published. Henry found an almost quiet spot on the roof of Parliament to wade through it. Well, it's just after 2.20pm. I'm standing on the roof of Parliament. You can probably hear there's, I think, two helicopters actually circling overhead for the news channels. That's how you know it's a big day in Westminster. The report has finally dropped. Not the report, I should say. It is an update by Sue Gray. It's very much not the report that we've been waiting for, but a sort of interim set of findings while the police do their investigation. So um, I'm going to dive in now and I'll, I'll let you know in a little bit what I find. Conclusion now, it says the gatherings within the scope of the investigation are spread over a 20-month period. It points to a failure of judgment by part of Number 10 and the Cabinet Office, saying a number of events should not have been allowed to take place while others should not have been allowed to escalate. So I'm just flicking through the report now and have found something really quite significant. Sue Gray gives us a list 
of the gatherings in Downing Street and in Whitehall that she's been looking into. There's 16 of them, two or three of which, I think it's three, were not known to the public in the course of all the reporting about parties. And one crucial thing that she does is she gives us a list of the 12 of those 16 which are being investigated by the Metropolitan Police for having broken coronavirus laws. And one of them is an alleged gathering which took place in November 2020 in Boris Johnson's flat, the one he lives in with his wife, Carrie, and their two children above 11 Downing Street. That gathering is said to have happened on the 13th of November 2020. Some reports say the ABBA song, The Winner Takes It All, was played loudly that night. Perhaps unsurprisingly, as earlier that day, Carrie Johnson's nemesis had left the building. Dominic Cummings has left his job as Boris Johnson's chief advisor with immediate effect. After a conversation with Boris Johnson today, it was decided he should go immediately. One of the most influential figures in Westminster propelled out of the door after a power struggle that erupted publicly. Now, Boris Johnson has denied that there were any parties in that flat, including in the House of Commons. This was Prime Minister's questions on the 8th of December. Thank you, Mr Speaker. Will the Prime Minister tell the House whether there was a party in Downing Street on the 13th of November? Prime Minister... Mr Speaker, no, but I'm sure that whatever happened, uh, the guidance was followed and the rules were followed at all times. I think spokespeople for his wife have denied that there were any parties in that flat. But here we have Sue Gray, senior civil servant, saying not only was there a gathering there, but that the Metropolitan Police, after conducting an initial assessment of the evidence, believe it is worth them investigating to see whether coronavirus rules were broken. The report went on to say that excessive drinking had taken place and some staff wanted to raise concerns but felt unable to do so. It's three o'clock. I'm Mariella Frostrup. This is Times Radio. Sue Gray has found failures of leadership and judgment by part of Number 10 and the Cabinet Office in an update on her investigation into lockdown parties. A redacted version of the report has been published as following a request by the Metropolitan Police not to share details which they are investigating. We now know that Sue Gray has passed 500 pages of documents, including 300 photographs, to the police as evidence. So just filed the first few versions of our reporting on it for the Times website. Um, I think this morning, as you can probably tell from my tone, quite a few people thought that what Sue Gray would deliver might be a damp squib. Well, it's not. If you take a step back, if you forget what we, what's been dribbled out through the press over the last few weeks and a couple of months, this is very serious indeed. The Prime Minister is under investigation by the Metropolitan Police for multiple breaches of his own coronavirus laws. This is worse than MPs I've been talking to had been expecting. But look, who knows? It may well be that Conservative MPs still believe that Boris Johnson can move past this. There is a risk that this all just hangs over Boris Johnson's head for some time to come. But a lot of that will depend on how Conservative MPs react, what their mood is. And we'll find out the answer to that at 3.30. So I'll check back with you after that. I now come to the statement. Prime Minister. Thank you very much, Mr Speaker. Mr Speaker, with with your permission, I would like to make a statement. And first, I want to express my deepest gratitude to Sue Gray. Firstly, I want to say sorry. 
and I'm sorry for the things we simply didn't get right, and also sorry for the way that this matter has been handled. You could feel authority draining from Boris Johnson after a pretty buoyant few days and weeks that he's had. He opened with an apology, but then he pivoted fairly quickly to, firstly, some fairly minor statements about what he's going to do to Downing Street, establishing an office of the Prime Minister with a new permanent secretary. Well, look, that's interesting to me, for sure. Architecture of government is interesting to me, but I'm a bit of a political nerd. I don't think that quite gets to the heart of some of the things that he's being criticised for over the Partygate saga. And then he went on the attack. Mr Speaker, I get it and I will fix it. And I want to say... And I want to say to the people of this country, I know what the issue is. Yes, Mr Speaker, yes, yes. It's whether this government can be trusted to deliver. And I say, Mr Speaker, yes, we can be trusted. Yes, we can be trusted to deliver. Usually red meat for Conservative MPs, but I think in the chamber today, they seem to think that that missed the tone somewhat, missed the level of events. I don't call Keir Starmer the leader of the opposition. Uh, thank you, Mr Speaker. I'd like to thank Sue Gray for the diligence and professionalism with which she's carried out her work. It's no fault of hers that she's only been able to produce an update today, not the full report. Keir Starmer was a lot more sombre. Uh, he didn't go for the political knockabout. He even quoted Margaret Thatcher against Boris Johnson. Margaret Thatcher once said, the first duty of government is to uphold the law. If it tries to bob and weave and duck around that duty when it's inconvenient, then so will the governed. One of the most telling things was the complete silence in which Keir Starmer was heard by the Conservative benches. There wasn't much heckling, wasn't much shouting, simply because many of them will have been thinking very carefully on what he was saying. I mean, it's a well-rehearsed point that Conservative MPs are not all totally enamoured of Boris Johnson. Some of them think it's important to keep him there because he's got election-winning experience, but that doesn't mean they much like him, and I, I think a lot of Starmer's words will have been taken to heart. Whatever your politics, whichever party you vote for, honesty and decency matters. Our great democracy depends on it. And cherishing and nurturing British democracy is what it means to be patriotic. There are members opposite who know that, and they know the Prime Minister is incapable of it. The question they must now ask themselves is what are they going to do about it? But perhaps the most devastating moment came after Keir Starmer. It was Theresa May, who, of course, is Boris Johnson's predecessor. And she said... What the Grey report does show is that Number 10 Downing Street was not observing the regulations they had imposed on members of the public. So either my right honourable friend had not read the rules, or didn't understand what they meant and others around him, or they didn't think the rules applied to Number 10. Which was it? Which was it? Now look, that was not the same as Theresa May calling for him to go, but there's a sort of code of former Prime Ministers. They don't tend to go for each other. They don't tend to call for each other's heads. And that was very serious indeed. You know, arguably one of the most important things, actually, was that there weren't that many Conservative MPs who, you know, generally aren't big fans of Boris Johnson, leaping to his defence. It felt like a lot of them were simply waiting to hear what was said and then 
make their minds up in the coming hours and days. So will my right honourable friend confirm that at the earliest opportunity he will have the report published in full? Publish the uncensored version without any further delay. Will he commit to publish it immediately and in full? One crucial thing which I spoke, we spoke about earlier and I think is going to become really important is that Boris Johnson repeatedly did not commit to publishing the full findings of Sue Gray's report when they are available. That's quite important for two reasons. One is just simply transparency. But the other thing is that, you know, one of the most important dynamics here is what a Conservative MP is going to do. Are they going to put in those letters for no confidence? And lots of them have been waiting to make up their mind until they read the full findings of Sue Gray's report. But if they're being told by Boris Johnson that they're not necessarily going to get an opportunity to read those full findings, then perhaps the Prime Minister is goading them into making a decision earlier than he wants them to. But look, day's still young, uh, 4.45 in Westminster, that's, that's sort of uh, late morning, early afternoon equivalent. So let's see where we get to in a little while. Hi, I'm John Witherow, editor of The Times. Thanks to you, we get to cover the broadest and most important daily news stories. To enjoy more remarkable stories every day, subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times and get one month free. Visit thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This is Times Radio. John, thank you. Good afternoon. Following the publication of an interim update on Sue Gray's report into lockdown parties, the Metropolitan Police says it will now investigate eight alleged events. The Metropolitan Police saying they received more than 300 images and 500 pages of information from the Cabinet Office. Well, it's just after 5.45pm. I told you not long ago that I thought Boris Johnson's refusal to commit to publishing the full Grey report might cause him some difficulty. Well, having expended loads of his political capital on the House of Commons, repeatedly refusing to assure his own MPs that he would publish that full report, 
Boris Johnson has just put out a statement saying that, in fact, he will. That just shows you how fast-moving this situation is because a lot of Conservative MPs, including ones who hadn't been massively critical of the government on this issue before, were really, really unhappy with that issue and making that very plain. And when Boris Johnson is fighting for his political life, even if he's feeling a little bit more solid now than he was a few weeks ago, you can't afford to alienate even a small number of Conservative MPs. And I suspect that is what has led to a pretty instant and pretty embarrassing reversal of position tonight. Well, it's just after 6.30 and I'm in the atrium of Port Palace House, which is a sort of office centre meeting space, often a plotting space for MPs. In a room upstairs, Boris Johnson is addressing Conservative MPs, trying once again to stave off a possible leadership challenge. He arrived with lots of cabinet ministers supporting him. They had Rishi Sunak and Dominic Raab with him. Theresa May is there watching again. So the question, of course, is just what happens in this sort of semi-private environment? I expect we'll get leaked a lot of what he says shortly, but I'm off to find out someone will tell me. Lord Heseltine, former Conservative Minister and Deputy Prime Minister, told Phil Williams on Times Radio this evening that Sugre's full report must now be published. We know there were 12 parties. We know that the penalty is a very small fine mm. if people are found to be guilty. And if you weigh that against the integrity of the Prime Minister, all that that means, you cannot begin to think that delaying can be justified. Even those who served in Boris Johnson's cabinet not yet fully sold. Do you feel more reassured today or is the jury still out on him and his conduct? Look, I think uh, the truth is that the jury's still out because we haven't come to the end of this process. How do you feel about the fact that there's a problem with leadership in number 10 in the cabinet office that led to these gatherings taking place? Well, the leadership Sue was referring to was not necessarily always the Prime Minister's leadership, but of course he has taken responsibility for everything that happened in Number 10. And Sue Gray has made some really good recommendations, which the Prime Minister has committed to both follow through and implement immediately without waiting for the Met investigation or without waiting for further details of a fuller report. So that's what he's going to do. He's going to implement the recommendations and that's the right thing to do because that is leadership. Henry, how has it gone? It's now eight o'clock in the evening and I know you've been running around the corridors trying to grab Tory MPs as they came out of the 1922 committee because Boris Johnson at 6.30 had to try and sell the Sue Gray report to his own party. Do we have any idea how that's gone? Well, look, he had some making up to do, that's for sure. Uh, A lot of Conservative MPs were pretty disappointed with his behaviour at the dispatch box earlier, with the tone. The report does absolutely nothing to substantiate the tissue of nonsense uh, he has just spoken. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Instead, Mr Speaker, this, this leader of the opposition, a former director of public prosecutions, Mr Speaker, he spent most of his time prosecuting journalists and failing to prosecute Jimmy Savile, as far as I can make out, Mr Speaker. By the sounds of things, certainly some Conservative MPs who I've spoken to were fairly satisfied with his address to them an hour or so ago. He talked about how the fact that he'd had COVID 
meant that he knew how serious a disease it was and took it very seriously. He said that Linton Crosby, the sort of Tory elections guru, is going to be coming back in some sort of advisory capacity. And he seems maybe to have dropped a few hints of uh, a forthcoming ministerial reshuffle, which is always a surefire way to get ambitious Conservative MPs in search of preferment on side. But the fundamental weaknesses in Boris Johnson's position are still there. We still have the full Sue Gray report to come. We still have the police investigation to come. So Boris Johnson has sort of got through the day. But on the other hand, a lot of very difficult issues remaining. It's certainly not the case that he's just able to put all this behind him and move on to the other business of governing. And Henry, over the last few days, we had heard that, you know, the the sense of mutiny on the backbenches was was dying down. People quite liked seeing him come back and be, you know, quite boisterous um, and defiant. That sort of tone didn't seem to go down very well in Parliament today. I think the Grey update was a reminder of the seriousness of the basic facts here. I think a lot of Conservative MPs who had begun to move on in their minds, had sort of disassociated the row from what Boris Johnson was actually accused of. And the grey update reminding people in just a few very limited, as she herself said, pages, pointing out or or telling us, in fact, for the first time that a gathering in Boris Johnson's flat was among those being investigated by the police, I think sort of jolted some Conservative MPs Hmm. out of a somewhat bullish mood. But look, you can also divide the Conservative Party into different parts. I mean, there certainly are some MPs who would be happy for him to go on the attack against Keir Starmer as he did today in every Commons appearance and believe that his voting public wants that. I guess the question at the moment is not whether half of Boris Johnson's parliamentary party is happy with the way he's behaving. It's whether 54, i.e. 15%, are unhappy and can therefore take him to a confidence vote. It doesn't feel like that's imminent as we talk, but the truth is these letters are not coordinated and we basically don't know how close Boris Johnson might be to that threshold. One of the few public signs we've had this evening is we've, we know that a ministerial aide has, has stepped down. From Westminster, Angela Richardson MP has resigned as Michael Gove's private parliamentary secretary. In a Facebook post, she says that uh, Sue Gray's report published today clearly states that there were failings at number 10 Downing Street and... Uh, They let us all down. The Prime Minister again apologised for those. We've had some of the grandees, people like um, Ruth Davidson, who's in the Lords, sort of coming out and clearly still very angry. I am upset and I'm upset because, you know, I was working in the Scottish Parliament. I had constituents that lost businesses. I had people that feel guilty that they didn't go to the care home to see their parents, that they didn't hug a friend at a funeral because they played by the rules. And now they look at what happened in number 10 and they feel like idiots and they shouldn't be made to feel like that. Is there a sense that today everybody was waiting for the Sue Gray report? This was supposed to be the big final moment, uh, the big reveal. And actually, this is just a pause. You know, we now know there are 300 photos out there, which the police have. We know that there are 500 documents. I mean, it, it doesn't feel like this is quite over. Of course it's not over. Of course it's not over. I guess the risk for Conservative MPs, uh, if they stick with Boris Johnson, is that he might believe that this is over. I mean, I guess to some degree, the question of when the political pain is over is a question for the general public. It may well be that at some point they will get tired of this story. But then, you know, when the Conservative Party might begin to think 
that they have grown tired of the story, then, you know, wham, there will be the result of a police investigation. And then there will be the full findings of the Grey Report. So I think, you know, Boris Johnson can move past this to an extent. I mean, he's going to Ukraine. The levelling up white paper is coming later this week. But, you know, there is always going to be this menace lurking for some months to come, probably, judging by um, how long police investigations tend to take. And that's going to cause him severe difficulty. I also expect that this will be a major theme of Labour's local election campaigns in May. That's something that can really hit Conservative mm. MPs where it hurts. So it kind of doesn't matter how uh, uppermost uh, the party saga is in people's minds in the immediate term. It's there in the medium and long term. Uh, and that is a real problem for, for, for Johnson. I feel bad even asking. But, you know, we thought today would be a big day. It might yet turn out to be a turning point. But at this stage, how long do you give Boris Johnson? <laughs> Come on. If I you're mean, a I, betting I, man. I, I, I love the listeners of Stories of Our Time, but I'm not <laughs> foolish enough to make that commitment in public. Um, I guess I, if, if I were being really bold, I would say I think he is likely to experience political death by a thousand cuts than he is to get a knockout blow in the coming days. But things are moving very quickly, so uh, let's see. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, The Times' chief political correspondent, Henry Zeffman. You can keep up with all of Henry's reporting at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers today were Ben Mitchell and James Shield, and the executive producer is Kate Ford. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.